Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. The Holy Scriptures are the testaments of God. I don't care if you call them old or new, it doesn't matter. It's the testament of God. We need all of it today. It just breaks my heart when pastors are like, we don't teach you the Old Testament because it's not really relevant to today. I'm like, are you reading the Bible? Like, how is this not relevant? Sin causes death, separation, contamination. An absence of holy living has consequences. Sometimes in conversations about things that happened in the Old Testament, we hear someone give a response of, that stuff just isn't relevant to us now because of the New Testament that changed all of that. Well, the entire Bible is significantly relevant to us. Sin causes separation from God, and the absence of holy living has great consequences. Today, Pastor James explains how the scripture new and old is the whole testament of God, and he uses very real scenarios to show us that we need the entire Bible. Now, here's Pastor James in the book of Numbers, chapter 19, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Our hope is in the Lord. Our hope is in heaven, uh, new heaven, new earth, and all that. My hope is not in the American dollar or in any kind of currency that they come up with. My hope is not in, in a man or whoever is in who's been voted into offices. My hope is not in any of those people. My hope is in Jesus, okay? So come what may, that's fine. If you're a Christ follower, you will be okay. You will be okay. All these stories are popping up just this week. You're like, wow. Okay, all right. So, uh, Lord, if I've fallen asleep, man, thank you for waking me up. Thank you for waking me up. So this, now we go back into Numbers chapter 19 with this, the red heifer. Um, now you transition into, like, uh, this purification process, okay? So we know it's, it's meant for, you know, anybody who, who needs to be purified, so to speak. Um, But now we're going to look at a specific instance in verse 11. All those who touch a dead human body will be ceremonially unclean for seven days. All right. So when you come into contact with death, physical contact, you are unclean. So for the nation of Israel, death would bring to mind sin. So I need to be cleansed because we know that the result of sin is death. And so you have this red heifer, you have the ashes that have been preserved, and there's a whole system of mixing it with water that's going to bring purification. But specifically, if you come into contact with death, you need to be washed clean. You need to be washed clean. You could say it this way. If you come into contact with sin, you need to be washed clean. You need to be washed clean. It says, verse 12, they must purify themselves on the third and seventh days with the water purification then they will be purified. That's the good news. That's the gospel. You can be clean. That's great. We need that. And that's why the gospel is needed every single day of our lives, not just when you got saved. It says they will be clean, right? So, but if they do not do this on the third and seventh days, they will continue to be unclean even after the seventh day. All those who touch a dead body and do not purify themselves in the proper way defile the Lord's tabernacle. 
and they will be cut off from the community of Israel. Separation. Sin causes separation. Sin causes death. Sin causes defilement. It says they will be cut off from everything, the tabernacle, the community. Since the water uh, purification was not sprinkled on them, their defilement continues. Okay, This is really just good lessons for us today. Because you can look at the Old Testament, you can look at Numbers 19, you can be like, well, the cow thing's cool, but this doesn't have anything to do with me. It's not relevant to my life today. That's where we miss it so much. That's where we, we need to understand that the Holy Scriptures are the testaments of God. I don't care if you call them old or new. It doesn't matter. It's the testament of God. We need all of it today. It just breaks my heart when pastors are like, we don't teach you the Old Testament because it's not really relevant to today. I'm like, are you reading the Bible? Like, how is this not relevant? Sin causes death, separation, contamination. An absence of holy living has consequences. How do we not see that in the scriptures? There it is. And the Lord is using this very real scenario to communicate a a very strong biblical principle. Be holy, for I am holy, is what God says. So you have to be clean. You have to be clean. And if I come in contact with death, let's say sin, then there can be a, that would cause a defilement upon the tabernacle, the dwelling place of God, which my understanding from the book of, uh, was it first or second Corinthians? First Corinthians? Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter six, I think. I don't know. I wrote that down somewhere. Your body is a temple of God, the dwelling place of God. So if I come in contact with death, it could cause separation. Not that you lose your salvation, but I don't want a rift between me and the Lord because the cross brought us together. The resurrection brought us together. But sin will cause defilement. Sin will cause separation. And left untreated, uh, it's going to contaminate more than just, just the individual. But there's a remedy, and it's a very simple solution. It's the washing of the Word of God. And the best thing, and I, I've, I've gone through like, you know, different uh, courses on how to break free of addictions and things like that, the best thing I've ever come across in getting free of any kind of addiction is commitment to the Word of God. Now, I know there's other things that work and psychology type stuff sometimes, and there's, there's things that work. But what I know, and, and experientially as well, this book, this amazing book, man, it can clean you up. And it can keep you clean. Not perfect, But you can keep coming back to this thing. And the more time you spend in the word of God, the temptations are going to come. I don't know about you guys, but when I'm like committed to like, I'm reading the word, I'm praying, then the temptations are like, we're here. Like, I brought all my friends too. Like, when you're not in the word, temptation's not always there, right? Because I think the enemy's got you where he wants you. But you're like, no, I'm going to stay in the word. I'm going to meditate on the scriptures. I'm going to pray and I'm going to do all this stuff. Then temptation throws a party inside of your brain. And he's like, I brought all my friends and we're here to distract you, right? Because you just opened up, you became a threat to us. And you're like, no, you stay in the word. Stay committed to the word of God. This thing is living, it's active. Oh, it's, it's the best thing. It, it truly is. It's, it's an amazing book. Um, so you got this whole ritual thing that's been set in place. Verse 14, this ritual law applies when someone dies inside a tent. 
Okay, these are nomadic people. They would dwell inside their tents. So let's say grandpa, you know, has come to his end, right? You know, he's, he's gone off to bigger and better things, right? <laughs> to go and in this context, he would go, hopefully he's a, a believer, a worshiper of God, and he goes to Abraham's bosom at this point in time. That's not a thing anymore because Jesus died and rose again from the grave, okay? So, but let's say we're there in the wilderness with these guys. We're in the tent. Grandpa kicks it, right? Well, anybody who's in the tent with Grandpa, you all got to get clean. You all have to go through the ceremony of cleaning. Not only that, but any food that you have in there that may have had lids, that those things were open, well, all that's now unclean. So here's how serious the Lord takes these things. He says, if somebody dies inside a tent, all those who enter that tent, even to say their last respects or whatever, those who were inside the tent when the death occurred will be ceremonially unclean for seven days. Any open container in the tent that was not covered with the lid is also defiled. And if someone in any open field touches a corpse of someone who was killed with a sword or died a natural death, number one, why? Why? Like, why would you, if if I'm in the field and I approach a dead body, the last thing I'm doing is touching that thing, okay? Like, well, I don't know why this needs to be included, but it was included for someone, okay? Um, Maybe somebody who was destined to be like, uh, you know, work in the mortuary or whatever that is, I mean, it's a calling, I think. Um, not for me. Uh, but you had to communicate this. Like, if you touch a corpse in the field by somebody who, was, who died in battle or who died of a natural death, or someone touches a human bone or a grave, that person will be defiled for seven days. Um, this touching of the grave, this is where you get your whitewashed tombs from. So they would, uh, going ahead... In any of the tombs, they would wash them white as to cleanse them so that you can go through maybe a cemetery or something and not be unclean, so to speak. There's more to it. I'm just briefly elaborating on that. But that's where, and then Jesus makes that reference to whitewashed tombs later in the Gospels. It says that person will be defiled for seven days. All right? So cruising through the field, dead body. I don't know what you do. You're maybe checking to see if he's got loose change on him or something. I don't know. Um, you're, you're unclean for seven days. I'm not, I don't know who he's talking to here. Um, maybe somebody's just taking advantage of his situation. I don't know. But you're unclean for a week. That's, that's kind of how this works. Verse 17, to remove the defilement, put some of the ashes from the burnt purification offering in a jar, pour fresh water over them. Someone who is ceremonially clean must take the hyssop branch, dip it in the water, and that person must sprinkle the water on the tent where the guy died, on all the furnishings in the tent, and on the people who were in the tent. Okay? So you're like, everybody line up. If you were there and grandpa passed away, sorry about that, but I gotta like, I need to soak your tent down. And all of you, right? You gotta get clean. Because death makes you unclean. So they got to sprinkle everybody with this hyssop branch dipped in this water. It says, uh, you know, people who were in the tent, also the person who touched the human bone or someone who, uh, or touched someone who was killed or died naturally or touched a grave. On the third and seventh days, the person who is ceremonially clean must sprinkle the water on those who are defiled. Then on the seventh day, the people will be cleansed, uh, the people being cleansed, sorry, must wash their clothes and bathe themselves and that evening, they will be cleansed from their defilement. So there's hope, and praise God for that, right? Like, you're like, I, I didn't even know he was going to die, right? Like, you just, you just died right there. Hey, the story's not over. You're not kicked out. We just got to clean you up. 
And somebody's going to come through, and they're going to sprinkle you with water to get you clean on the third and the seventh day. What's the significance of that? The, the only significance that I know is that of what those numbers represent themselves. Seven is completion, right? You could also look at it if you want to get, you know, like, kind of smart with this. You're like, oh, that could be like, what if it's like Sunday and then Wednesday, right? Like somebody's throwing out the water, you know, midweek teaching. Nobody says that, by the way. Um, that's just what popped into my brain. Um, so if you're coming in here because you touched a dead thing, well, number one, I have questions. Uh, number two, well, I'll throw out the water of the Word of God on you, uh, and let's get you cleaned up, right? It does, it does communicate the, like, just the importance of showing up, to be taught the Word of God. And this is what's so special about, well, what should be special about, like, pulpits and churches and Bible classes, anywhere where the Word is being taught, it should be just the Word being taught, because nothing else will make us clean, and please understand, I know it's the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sins. I understand that. But we also know from uh, John chapter 15, verse 3, and Ephesians chapter 5, that there is the washing of the word of God that happens. So what we need is if, number one, I would encourage you to spend time in your word, in the Bible, on your own. But what I can promise you is anytime you show up on a Sunday or a Thursday or a Saturday, we're just going to throw out the word of God. Because that's what people need. That's what you need. I got stories. They're not all that clever, and they're not all that funny. Okay? That's why I don't share them that much. All right? I'm not one of those good storyteller guys. But what I know from my own life is I, I just need the Word of God. I just need the Word. Man, I, I, walking through this world, you pick up a lot of dirt. You pick up a lot of filth. And, and that, look, trust me, there's times in my life where it's like, it's not accidental. I'm like rolling around in it, right? And God's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm sorry, Lord. All right. I need to be cleansed. And sometimes you just got dirt on your feet and you just need your feet washed because you're walking through a wicked and corrupt world. What we can promise you and anybody who ever comes here, it's a church that they just preach and teach the word of God. I mean, that's it. And that's, we, we sometimes going through the word, we, we see these stories that like just, boost our confidence in that, of the necessity of it. Just teach the word. Just teach the word. Give them the word. Why? Because we all need to be clean. We all need the word. You got all this, and, and there's certain days, the third day, which is kind of the halfway point, and then the seventh day, which is the completion of it. But at, at the evening, when the sun goes down, in the evening time, you're clean. You're clean. You're free to resume life as usual, and uh, stay away from the dead things and just, you know, um, yeah, glorify God every step of the way. There's a last little warning here, verse 20. But for those uh, who become defiled and do not purify themselves, they will be cut off from the community. There's a separation that has to happen there. For they have defiled the sanctuary of the Lord. Since the water of purification has not been sprinkled on them, they remain defiled. This is a permanent law for the people. Those who sprinkle the water of purification must afterward wash their clothes, and anyone who touches the water used for purification will remain defiled until evening. Anything and anyone that a defiled person touches will be ceremonially unclean until evening. What we get there is the uncleanliness of the one affects the whole community. 
So if you're like, you know, that, that dude was just playing with dead bones. Like, don't you come, don't touch me. Because then I'm unclean for a certain amount of time. No, you go get clean. The beauty of all of this is God made it so simple. He's like, I provided the ashes. I provided the red heifer that you guys sacrificed, burnt up. You had the ashes. You have the ashes. You have the water. It's just right over there. It's very simple. If you want to get clean, then it's very easy to get clean. There's no excuse. It's not like, well, you know, I really wanted to, but I just don't, I didn't know where to go. Oh, no. Everybody knew where to go. I didn't have a degree, right, in, uh, in an understanding of how the purification works. No, no, no. That's not your responsibility. You just got to show up and say, can you throw some of that on me? I've got this defilement on me. Can you take some of that water and those ashes, and, and I'm just here, I'm going to show up, just toss the stuff on me. That's all that's required of the individual. They have to acknowledge, I've been defiled, and they have to present themselves to someone who in purifying them will themselves will be unpure until the evening. So there's a cost for them as well. But it's a simple process. You just got to show up and be like, I just need to be clean. I just need to be clean. Because if I don't get clean, then anybody I touch or anything I touch becomes unclean. And I care about the community enough to say, can you just throw some water on me? Sometimes that, and that's the beauty of, again, I think that's what should be the beauty of the church. We should have our doors open to unclean people. They just need to show up and they just need water tossed onto them. Because they're tired of going around feeling separated and cut off from the community. As good as some of these programs are, they, they don't need a 12-step or this or that. They need the Word of God. They need Jesus. But they got to have somewhere where they can go that's, that's going to give them what they need. Again, we're talking about death within the context of this chapter, but to bring it back to sin, sin that is not dealt with will contaminate that which is holy. So, and it, and it goes beyond us. It goes beyond me and my decisions. It affects the whole body. It just affects the whole body. And so that's where it's like, I love the simplicity of the solution. I love it. Because it's not like, there's nothing in here that's like, okay, so now you got to, you know, you, gotta, you just got to behave really well, right? If you just behave really well, then, you know, then you'll be okay. God's like, look, I'm going to make the provision because I know there's a good chance you're going to get defiled at some point in time. <laughs> it's going to happen. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to make the solution very simple. And even with this, it doesn't get any more simpler than what Jesus has offered to us. It's so simple. It's so beautiful. And we just got to like... Within our lives, just, you just got to show up and be like, all right, Lord, here I am. Please wash me clean. Wash me clean. I have this illustration I want to share with you guys. In 1818, uh, Ignaz uh, Semela Wise, I don't know how to say his name, uh, IPS, I'll call him that. Um, Ignaz Philip something. Okay. He's born into a world of dying women. The finest hospitals lost one out of six young mothers to the scourge of childbed fever. The doctor's daily routine began in the dissecting room where he performed autopsies. So he was dealing with death all the time. He would go from death to dealing with life. It says, from there he made his way to the hospital to examine expectant mothers without ever pausing to wash his hands. 
This doctor was the first man in history to associate such examinations with the resultant infection and death. His own practice was to wash with a chlorine solution, and after 11 years and delivery of 8,537 babies, he lost only 184 mothers, about 1 in 50. So the, the common was 1 in 6, until this guy discovered, I should just wash my hands. If we just washed our hands people would be alive. The contamination would stop. So in about 1 in 50, he says he spent the vigor of his life lecturing and debating with his colleagues. Once he argued this fever is caused by the decomposed material conveyed to the wound. I have shown that it can be prevented. I have proved all that I have said. But while we talk, 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 gentlemen, women are dying. I'm not asking anything world-shaking. I'm asking you only to wash. For God's sake, Wash your hands. It's just as simple as washing your hands. That simple thing for this guy, it says nobody believed him. Doctors and midwives delivered babies for thousands of years without washing. No outspoken Hungarian was going to change their minds, right? We know what we're doing. It says he died insane at the age of 47. His wash bins discarded, his colleagues laughing in his face, and the death rattle of thousands of women ringing in his ears. So all you had to do was wash your hands. The washing of the hands prevented the death of so many, in one sense, is what the illustration is communicating there. And, and it's the same thing we see in Numbers chapter 19. Like, we, we all are, get contaminated. All we got to do is just, just wash your hands. Just show up and be like, just wash your hands. And it's as simple as that. It was This guy had it figured out, but nobody wanted to listen to him. The simple solution remains true for us to this day. You just wash me, Lord. Just wash me. Like Peter, when Jesus washed his feet, he's like, don't wash my feet. What are you, crazy? I should be washing your feet. The Lord's like, oh, if I don't do this to you, you have no part with me. And then Peter's like, wash all of me, right? Like, wash me, Lord. Like, cleanse me, right? Um, but just a beautiful little story there. But that speaks to the importance of the word of God. In, in, this speaks to the importance of the sacrifice of Jesus that he made on the cross for us and raising from the dead three days later. But again, man, just the word of God, and I, I do want to read that reference of Ephesians chapter 5. I said the illustration was going to be the last thing, but I did the pastor thing uh, where I tell you like, and I'm wrapping this up. And then it's like 15 minutes later, you're like, I thought you were wrapping this up. I am. Um, I just want to read this reference to you guys just so we can just hit home this, this last important part. Um, Ephesians five twenty five through 27. Since for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. And said she will be holy and without fault. That's like Jesus and us. He wants to wash us with his word. So if I haven't made my point, I'll just say this. Read the Bible. Enjoy the Word of God. Get into this as often as you can. If you stumble across some dead thing, whether it be voluntarily or involuntarily, open up the Word of God and read the Word of God and say, Lord, I just need you to wash me clean. I just need you to wash me clean. It's as simple as that, guys. It is as simple as that. You've 
You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. How often is the voice of God ignored? Do you tune him out because you think you know what he's going to say to you? Or maybe it just comes straight from a disobedient heart, like that of the Israelites, after being rescued from Pharaoh's rule. Getting out of Egypt wasn't enough for them, because, get this, they complained. They were disgruntled because God's way of doing things wasn't their way of doing things. Not only that, but they did what they wanted. Listen to how God responds to the Israelites' behavior in Numbers 4.22 and 23. Because all these men have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these ten times and have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. That's pretty heavy, but it comes from a loving father who's teaching his children to obey him without question. What is your next step of obedience? If you enjoyed today's message from Numbers and want to hear more, then go to breadforthebroken.com where you'll hear more of God's truth and what it means for your life. That website, once again, is breadforthebroken.com. Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas. Would you consider donating some of your resources to support this ministry? All you have to do is visit us at breadforthebroken.com to learn how. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. Make sure you join us again next time here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.